to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast, where we're talking about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me is my co-host, Sean Murphy. And we are talking about today the two episodes, Nothing to Fear and The Last Laugh. This is going to be uh, the first Scarecrow episode and the uh, second Joker episode. Right. So let's start with Nothing to Fear. Nothing to Fear was uh, written by Henry T. Gilroy and Sean Catherine Derrick and directed by Boyd Kirkland. And in it, Batman encounters the Scarecrow and attempts to foil his scheme to burn down Gotham University, but in the process is exposed to the Scarecrow's fear gas and is forced to face his own guilt over the death of his parents. Ooh, very profound. Before we get started, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I had a question to ask you. Okay. So I meant to bring it up before, but this actually this episode frames it pretty well. Who is Batman's biggest enemy? Uh, like height wise. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I mean, if you if you're going, I, I feel like the 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 quick answer is the Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh. I'm going to go a little bit more profound. Okay. I think his biggest enemy is himself, which is kind of a wah-wah answer. Yeah. But I think his biggest enemy is him versus Bruce Wayne, in a way. Right. And I think that this episode really highlights um, sort of the, not the flaw, but the, the, the struggle that he never really outgrows is, is this what his parents would have wanted? What the fuck is he doing? Right. Uh, would his parents be proud? That kind of thing. Um I think overall, Scarecrow is pretty goofy in this. It's yes. pretty ridiculous, yeah. which we can get to later. But uh, I do appreciate that through his fear toxins, he's able to pull things out of Bruce Wayne that most other characters don't really get to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Scarecrow, what you get is um, you get a real opportunity to explore that inner stuff mm-hmm. that with pretty much every other character you don't get to do that with right you can do it on a like a, a, a sort of a metaphorical or a subtextual level depending on how you want to play your villain mm-hmm. but with scarecrow you get to do it literally you know he right. can literally have right nightmares about right his father turning into a giant skeleton and telling him that he's a failure and then you know right see for me though and i don't know how you feel is i there was a time <clears throat> when fear toxins and hallucinations and uh, you could get these little mini flashbacks to characters, you know, fear of or spiders or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm hitting a point where I feel like it's so overdone and I know it wants to show instead of tell, but it just feels really on the nose to me is you get quick little glimpses and I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of commitment or whatever it is. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if uh, for me, I don't think the scarecrow really holds can can do much more than what i've seen already you know even in the nolan films you do get those bits of him hallucinating and seeing batman as this giant literal bat Mm -hmm. but and this the special effects are so cool that i think it gets a pass but i don't know how much further that that can really go personally yeah i see what you're saying i i generally enjoy this kind of stuff because um it's a nice break from from such straightforward stories and storytelling, uh, especially in something like Batman, where generally you get the same. Like we'll see in the next episode we're covering, it's it's pretty formulaic. Right. Even to an extent in this episode, it's fairly, fairly formulaic. Yeah. Um, that stuff where you can get a bit more surreal and a bit more heady, I always appreciate. But I totally I totally agree with what you're saying that you know there's only so much you can really do. Right. Um, I think I, I don't know if you ever played any of the Arkham uh, Arkham no, video games. I have not. But man, the Scarecrow plays a huge part in the first Arkham Asylum game. Right. And they do really great stuff because right. that way you know they integrate the fear toxin hallucinations into the game. So I you're playing really creepy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like there's there's one part where I, I I've never been like afraid playing a video game. Yeah. But I got really uneasy at a certain part in this game where I thought the machine had broke mm-hmm. and it restarted the game. And only at that point do you realize that you're watching it like through a nightmare thing. And it uh, really freaked me out. It, they did a yeah. really nice job with it. Like I think with that platform with a game, I can see where there's more where this idea has more legs. Mm-hmm. But as a uh, just a watchable cartoon, you know, honestly, and and to poke flaws in my own argument, I don't know what my alternative would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, in season four, there's an episode where he Batman gets hit with an anti anti fear toxin. Mm-hmm. So he's just he's dodging bullets, he's taking oh, yeah. risks, and he's just being reckless in, in does general. He, does he dance like he does in the, no. in the pilot? <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's not as dancey, but he basically <laughs> pulls off that same hat trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know how, how else you're supposed to handle that. Obviously, this was done, you know, back in the '90s. This is. A show for kids so i yeah. get it and you know uh, but just as a little nitpick and as far as i mean i think as far as as a kid show goes it's pretty fucking scary that's true you know they have yeah <laughs> they have uh bruce wayne's father materialize out of fire mm-hmm. and tell him that he's a failure and then later on he materializes <laughs> again and turns it his like skin melts off and he turns into a giant skeleton okay. that tries to eat him <laughs> again all right i like <laughs> I like dad made a fire, but big skeleton dad, like, grabbing your, the, the Zeppelin balloon, shaking mm. it. I mean, I don't know, like, turning into a skeleton is so, so overdone. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, what I, what I like about this episode, and, and, is that I think they, they use it as an opportunity to do, to really get into the head of Batman in a way that you've never seen in a, a another cartoon or even movie, arguably. You're right. Yeah, um, you're right. However, if my biggest nitpick, well, my the, my problem with this episode is that it's too normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the the focus is in the right place uh, because when you when you're dealing with the, the the scarecrow fear toxin thing, especially when it's used on Batman, I feel like there's a lot more you can say there, especially if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, I don't know, the scarecrow is fairly run-of-the-mill as far as the villain goes he's got two jack-off henchmen oh uh, one named anthony anthony (laughs) yeah um yeah at one point he's asking one of his henchmen to do something and he calls him by his full name but only his mother (laughs) excuse me anthony anthony you could it feel it feels like scarecrow never quite made it as a shakespeare actor and this is the next best thing (laughs) Because he still has that very verbose, over-the-top way of speaking. Well, it was so weird to me, the fact that Scarecrow had henchmen at all. Because yeah. I don't think of Scarecrow as a henchman villain. Right. And it almost seemed like, he, like between that and the two henchmen he actually ended up with, it was like it yeah. was like he didn't know how to be a villain. So he these were just the first two guys he found or something. Right. Like, he found Anthony and, and Caesar or yeah, whatever on, at, on the at, street corner. At the henchman store. Yeah. They were the know? cheapest ones at the henchman yeah. store. Yeah. Joker bought all the good They ones. were about to be put down, and their, their, their <laughs> big doe eyes just caught him. Oh, well, you know, they are purebred henchmen. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. You know, in, to, to keep going on the Scarecrow... I uh, I want to love Scarecrow, but the costume is such a... It's like a, a bag of leaves turned upside down for his head. Mm-hmm. He's dangly. He's not very intimidating, but he's supposed to be scary. Um, so 10 years ago, in 2005, I did a uh, comic with a writer named Bruce Jones who called Batman Scarecrow Year One. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to learn a lot about the Scarecrow in order to do it. So I remember watching this episode and basing my concept of the little kid scarecrow off of the uh the cartoon here and mm-hmm. i really tried to like it but my takeaway from doing all that work and it was not a good book sorry bruce who's not listening to this <laughs> it, it sucked well not anymore anyway. not anymore no um but you know honestly my art was probably pretty sucky back then too so fair play but uh i just don't fucking get scarecrow even having done two issues focused on him specifically he just doesn't seem that scary until you get to the Nolan Scarecrow, or even in the cartoon, season four, when Scarecrow had a noose around his neck and he was he played it very close to the vest, that worked for me, finally. Yeah. But they go through two versions of Scarecrow in this cartoon before they finally get to the good version, and then the cartoon's over. Yeah. They play him very much like that you would play... I think you can tell that they don't really know what to do with him. Yeah. Because they play... Aside from the fear toxin thing, they play him like right. any villain. Right. You know? And you I... Could, I I appreciate like what the producers are doing is they have to filter through a lot of crap to 
that existed in the Batman comics in order to produce a cartoon that was good. So I think some of the crap made it through, and I think that the Scarecrow costume is one of those things. Um, but again, like I like the uh, the excuse to use this hallucination style animation, and there's a lot of potential here. I just feel like they didn't quite nail it. Yeah. With 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 this guy. Can I ask you a question? Does your did your Batman comic involve? Uh... I'm reading. I was reading his origin on on Wikipedia because I wanted to see if it differed from the show. Yeah, um, and it says Crane's obsession with fear leads to his becoming a psychiatrist, taking position at Arkham Asylum, and performing fear-inducing experiments on his patients. He's also a professor of psychology at Gotham University, specializing in the study of phobias. He loses his job after he fires a gun inside a packed classroom, mm -hmm. accidentally wounding a student. And he takes revenge by killing the professors responsible for his termination and becoming a career criminal. It's a little over the top. I so I <laughs> just drew, a hair. I drew the scene. I drew the scene where he pulls a gun on his class. And I, at that point in the book, I was so bored. I started act, adding weird Easter eggs, like there's a magician in the classroom. There's a a Scottish guy doing the caber toss in the background. There's a ninja with a guitar sitting there. I mean, I don't know who that is. Well, it's either. great to know that you take your job seriously. <laughs> I know. I don't know how I got. Uh, I've it. never, I've never seen that part of his origin. <laughs> That's news to me. Uh, they definitely don't do that in this show. Yeah. Um, Keep but, scrolling down. I'm wondering if they're gonna on that page. If there's any of my art from 2005. Hopefully not. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Nope. Oh wow! Yeah, they really, they do have. Right. Yeah, they really redesigned Scarecrow. They, a yeah. lot. They could and not get it until the end. Yeah, this this first design. We should let's we should talk about the design since we're we we we're, we're, we're you know we brought it up. I thought we were. That's true. Um, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to you. I was reading. Nice. Uh, Thanks, buddy. I wasn't talking, so I wasn't listening. So. <laughs> um, yeah, this design that they have for him is just really lame. It's like he's wearing like a red shirt and he's got like a condom on his head. Yep. And a big stupid hat and it just right. it's not scary right i understand it to a point from an animation point of view right. because as far as scarecrow goes you think like hay or burlap or texture and yeah and that's hard to animate right so they just smooth him out and it really looks yeah really looks dumb he and looks... the third version there they finally realized just to black him in so much that his yeah, yeah, they make space. him scary. I mean, the second thing. this second version, which we'll get to, uh, you know, I, I think, I feel like they redesigned him fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, and the second version, he almost has more of like a Freddy Krueger kind of feel to mm -hmm. him. And he's got like this long straw hair. See, that drawing is actually pretty good. But when you see yeah. him animated, it just falls apart, I feel. Yeah. But this third version, he looks really scary. Yeah. And that's a great look for him. Yeah, the hangman's noose on him. Yeah, because for me, I... Love the idea of the scarecrow. Yeah. But again, like I said, I don't think they know what to do with him here. No. And they need you need to approach him from a from a much more uh, um, uh, uh, ghostly kind of angle. He right. needs to be a lot more mysterious yeah, and a yeah. lot more yeah. uh, dangerous and scary. Yeah. The uh, the problem with them looking at these sketches is these twisted dangly legs. There's just no yeah. presence there. There's no. He doesn't. He looks. He looks like you could knock him over with a stick. Yeah, breeze. I get. I get the idea because obviously they're trying to make him all like uh -huh. gangly, yeah. like a scarecrow. Yeah, like a Wizard but, of Oz project. Yeah. But like the the dead rancher look at the last on, the, on season four is definitely the best. Yeah, I think most people agree. That's a very very cool look. I like that a lot. So if you had to redo Scarecrow in your own way, if you had carte blanche on it, what, do you have any ideas of what you would do to fix the character? Um, fix the character from a from a. a Visual standpoint, or no. from like a backstory standpoint. Backstory. Um, I've always I've always kind of liked his his general backstory, where he's a doctor who's kind of gone nuts, yeah, and he's been doing uh, um, uh, experiments on patients and stuff like that. I think where you get kind of dodgy is when you try to explain the the idea that he's a doctor in the field of fear is a little dodgy you know it's like that's that's really that's Again. specific in a way like he made his own major when he was in college yeah um yeah, he's a millennial yeah <laughs> but i but i like i like the idea of this character who is a a doctor who is who is performing unnecessary experiments you know whether what it i i would take that same kind of idea yeah Make it less on the nose that he's a quote doctor of fear, mm -hmm. but have that be his underlying thing, right? And make him 
just more dangerous. Because right. the thing, the thing with him is, you really there's really one story that you can tell, or I guess two because they invert it, and it's you the Batman gets infected with the fear toxin, yeah, and he's scared for a while, mm-hmm. and then eventually he's fine, yeah, or he has to look. <laughs> He has to look inside himself and, you know, realize that he's more powerful yeah. than his own fears or whatever, which right. which is ironic because Batman as a concept is sort of doing that already. Like, isn't that the sort of yeah. part of the, the idea of Batman is that he's... And he's always upset about something. Yeah, and he, he's supposed to be like the bat is supposed to be a symbol of... Yeah. Of of creating fear in the minds of criminals and whatever. So it's like a kind of a weird, you know, folding it in on something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, after this incident, if I was Batman, I would get some of his chemicals and take it back to the Batcave and just huff it until I had like a tolerance. Yeah. Or just get all of my insecurity out in one horrible night and then <laughs> just be fine. I feel like I feel like I've seen that somewhere where I don't know if it was if it was in a cartoon or a comic where <laughs> Batman had been exposed to it so much that it just didn't bother him anymore. Right. Uh, which is which is also kind of interesting. Oh yeah, interesting. Um, that, but, there's an episode right there. Yeah, if Batman has done. Yeah, I hear you. Sorry, I haven't explained it, but we are we all get it. <laughs> but yeah, like I I would make him I would make him more dangerous, right? Uh, because he's got a great look. I mean, he can have a great look if you really lean into the the creepiness factor, right? Right. But he's sort of at least for the it, definitely in this show. Yeah. Uh, I actually haven't read a ton of Scarecrow stories. Me neither. Um, but he has potential to be a really yeah. devastating, yeah. terrifying villain. You know, I so for my book, uh, which I'm inevitably going to plug every time we talk about this, <laughs> is uh, I have the whole uh, villains gallery being joined together, and I had my pick of everybody, and I didn't put Scarecrow in, and I think I just forgot. Yeah. But then again, I don't think Scarecrow teaming up with Clayface or anybody really fits the character to begin with. No, I don't think he he's he seems like he's much more of a loner. That's why him having henchmen is so weird. So, all right, that's what I was going to say. Was yeah. If I could had to reinvent him, I would make him a total loner. I would have, uh, you, you wouldn't even hear him talk. He yeah. would just be, you would see him in the corner every now and then, and then, and you would start freaking out. He would almost be like snake eyes in a way. Mm-hmm. And when Batman did research, he would find this like mythology of this crazy professor who disappeared and no one knows what the hell happened to him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you showcase, when you explain the thing you're supposed to be afraid of, it's not scary anymore. Exactly. I would leave it as vague and mm-hmm. nebulous as possible, and I would ink him with a lot of black, have him appearing in shadows, and at the end of the night, Batman doesn't even know if he was actually there or not. Yeah, I think that would be cool. a different take on Scarecrow that would work. Yeah, Scarecrow to me feels like um, uh, an old Vincent Price character. Like yeah. Vincent Price went through a, a series of movies that all basically had the same plot, mm-hmm. which was uh, he was a person of, of esteem, and then his peers conspired against him, and they thought that they had killed him, but they had only just mangled him. Mm-hmm. And he is now insane and is coming back and picking them off in inventive ways. Right. And he seems kind of like that to me, where he's, he's, there's some sort of, you can have a really creepy revenge thing in there. Right. But the way they do it in this show, where he's still out for revenge, but it's really like arch, mm-hmm. campy revenge, yeah. where, you know, he's trying to... Yeah. get the the dean of Gotham University or some shit yeah. and it's just it just doesn't work yeah. he's, like you said he's got a very sh- like almost Shakespearean s- style of speaking and it just yeah. he should be like a lot he That's should not, not like you're saying he should not either scary. not talk at all yeah. or his voice should be a lot more yeah. whispery and, 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 and yeah. creepy the only thing that's scary about him is his chemical Right. His backstory isn't scary. The way he talks isn't scary. His costume's not scary. I mean, it just fails on so many levels. I think know? he's a great. I think he's a great character to use in the show because it really opens up a lot of right. you know animation possibilities. Right. And again, it's a it's a character that they've never used before. Right. I mean, if you if we look back at the four episodes we've watched, two of them well, yeah, two of them have been Joker episodes, but the other two have been characters that have never been on screen before. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, Scarecrow wasn't in the '89 uh, in the Adam West Batman. Right. And as far as I know, I don't think he. I mean, maybe he showed up in the Super Friends or something, but not that I yeah. know of. Yeah, you're right. And again, I feel like they're trying to do a lot. Most of it that most of it they're getting right. I think the Scarecrow snuck through, mm-hmm. and he, even I think they admit that we didn't know what to do with him, and hence all the redesigns. He didn't get a whole lot of episode time either, you know? Right, right. I also noticed that the uh, animation in this episode was not great. I wrote uh, mm. in my notes, it's like a three out of a five here. 
Yeah. It didn't. It went off model. I feel. Um, it seemed very typical Warner Brothers and not not Bruce Tim Warner Brothers. And yes. I don't know if that's from like hiring a new studio and saying to them, "Listen, we really want hard angles. We want you know square jaw." Like the only thing that really unifies this episode looks wise is the backgrounds are consistently done on the black construction mm-hmm. paper and all mm-hmm. of that you know yeah that i i noticed that too like some of the the more close-up figures are yeah. looked very much like they just pulled them out of tiny tunes or something oh yeah totally um which you know in and of itself is not bad i mean th- that's a well animated right. show but it just doesn't fit the yeah. same look especially there's a scene where a crowd is getting gassed and they're all tweaking out and every face looks like an acme kind of yeah you know yeah. extra basically i know uh i know <laughs> It took them a long time on The Simpsons to get animators that could get on model. Like, mm-hmm. if you watch the first, like, five seasons of The Simpsons, they all look different. Yeah. And if you listen to the commentaries, especially, I think, in season five, uh, they gripe a lot about whatever. They had changed animation houses or something, and mm-hmm. they, the guys they were using just couldn't get the eyes right. Right. So their eyes are always different sizes, or the pupils are different sizes. And, you know, yeah. you, you don't really notice it if you're just watching it casually. Yeah. But when you're actually watching it, you're like, yeah, that looks weird. Right, right. Um, yeah. I remember I did, uh, back when I lived in L.A., I was trying to get any any work, and I wanted to do uh, concept art and storyboarding, so I went to Fox and grabbed a submission sheet for Family Guy, a show I don't like, and uh, <laughs> Good did not start. like back then, <laughs> but you know, I needed the money, I needed a gig, so I took it back, and they were so particular about, the even the storyboards, which are, I picture storyboards as being scraps chicken scratches just yeah. get the camera angle across like if you look at Futurama storyboards they're very loose these they wanted on model and I feel mm. like it was a, copy, a case of the suits having nothing to do but pointing to what didn't look like Peter and what did yeah that's tough you know, the characters heads had to be three and a half eyeballs apart and mm-hmm. I, I just said fuck this yeah, I hated the show even more after that yeah well you know I know that it depends it really depends on you know who's who you're showing that stuff to right and I know from the illustration standpoint that you know there's a, a lot of times the the sketches that you that you give are not entirely the people who are looking at them don't entirely understand them. No, even if you do. Like yeah. I know the the story there's story uh, Drew Struzan the the poster illustrator, right? Arguably the best movie poster illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of started this arms race among poster illustrators because his layouts and, and comps that he would do were like finished paintings. And so other people who are trying to get these jobs would do finished paintings. And so you'd get to the point where you'd have these guys doing comps to get the job mm-hmm. that are full-sized right. finished paintings because it's just easier for the people looking at them to, yeah. to sign off on that oh, if they yeah. know exactly how everything's going to look. Yeah, you, you got to dumb it down. I mean, uh, before I went to Hollywood, back when I was in high school, I worked at like a, a t-shirt company, a giant company that was like Starter back mm-hmm. in the 90s when that shit was huge. And uh, it wasn't enough to make a new Wayne Gretzky t-shirt cartoon design. You needed to actually print it out on a shirt, hand the shirt to a customer, oh, wow. and then they would get it. They didn't have the imagination to look at a photo and go, yeah, we want that. They actually had to put it on. Yeah. And that's just how... I never forgot that lesson because to people that aren't, aren't artists, that's how they need to digest things. So I don't get it, but then again, I do. Yeah. I've run into many times where, you know... You, you hand in a layout or, or a rough sketch or something, and right. they're like, well, is this really going to look like this? And it's right. like, well, no. I mean, right. it's, it's a sketch. It's going to be tighter than this. You, right. know, it, it, you, you forget sometimes that yeah. the people that you're working for aren't necessarily artists. So right. you need to be a, yeah. a little bit clearer. And, you know, it's just, Did you, know. you have a story about uh, Aerosmith that involved... Steven Tyler not getting your drawings or something? No, I, I had to... Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, that's a good story to tell. I was, I was working on a video for Aerosmith, <laughs> and uh, one of the members... I'll say one of the members of Aerosmith <laughs> was not happy with my depiction of him. Or I should say specifically, his wife was not happy with the depiction of him. Oh, okay. And so I had to... Uh, <laughs> I was told he looked too old. I can imagine you getting a phone call like, Do you know who this is? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually did get that phone call, but it wasn't an angry phone oh. call. No, I actually did get to talk to Steven Tyler on the phone, which okay. was fun. But uh, uh, no, it was, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, especially if it's a likeness, yeah, people are very particular. Like I know you said that uh, when you worked on Star Trek, that Patrick Stewart was very particular about what they signed off on, right? Yeah, and I've done, uh, I've done tons of trading card work, yeah, where some. Uh, you know, based on movies or pre-existing properties right. where right. I did, um, what did I do? 
I did Lord of the Rings, and yeah. you just flat out could not draw Christopher Lee. Like, he was not allowed to be drawn because yeah. he did not sign off. And I did Ghostbusters. Yeah. And you could only draw Peter Venkman if he was on a card with two of the other Ghostbusters. Yeah. And it's it's, re, it's really interesting when you get into that yeah. stuff. It has to do with a mix of licensing um, rules and um, the IP and the rights to your like your likeness that each actor has. Right. Plus, if it's their assistant dictating the rules versus them, it gets very vague. So uh, a couple years back, I actually flew out to Hollywood to work with um, Chris Nolan on... Um, a comic for Interstellar, mm-hmm. and I went to his house and I met with Wired Magazine. They were kind of my sponsor, and I was geeking out, but I, I, I held it in. Mm-hmm. And um, he was asking, oh, so I had to draw um, Matt Damon, and uh, I had to explain to Nolan and his assistant we might need to get the rights to um, Matt Damon because he might there might be some weird approval process that that we need to go through and they'd never heard of that yeah um and i didn't really know exactly what the rules were but i had enough experience with my patrick stewart stuff with star wars star trek to figure it out and they're like well what should we do and they're looking at me and i'm like i don't know like what kind of guy is matt damon is first he, thing you do hung out with him is he is gonna you, sue you first thing you do is you cut me a check uh-huh. <laughs> a finder's fee <laughs> and i will call someone who will then call you <laughs> and you tell go. you everything you need to know yeah Dude, so with Patrick Stewart, it was funny. It was just a, a silly comic, but I think it was his assistant who just had a, a rule, a, a list that she, he or she just went through. I don't think it was actually Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And the note was, his nose shouldn't be that big, which he had, does have a big, dignified nose, I will mm-hmm. say. And then they want, they didn't want him bald. They wanted him bald on purpose. What? And I, and I explained this to Chris <laughs> Nolan because they're like, they asked me how I knew this stuff, and I told him about my Patrick Stewart story and i told chris nolan bald on purpose and he goes what does that mean I, and i go i have no that's, idea do you have did you have to draw on a panel of him shaving his head or something <laughs> and afterward he's like bald anyway back to batman how many times can we work steven tyler on this podcast so anyway, uh, one, uh, one of the other things to touch on, I mean, we pretty much covered everything for this episode, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I went through my notes. But one of the things that they do here that we, we I think we may have mentioned in the last episode, I can't remember, is uh, um, this is the first time they, they reference Bruce Wayne's family being dead. He di- they died? Yeah, man. He's also Batman. You know? <laughs> Actually, I have, a, I have a pretty funny story. A teacher of mine from college. Died? Uh, no. <laughs> Fortunately, no. He told us... Um, uh, he took his his wife, then girlfriend, to see the '89 Batman. Uh-huh. Went on a date, and about halfway through the movie, she totally seriously turned to him and goes, "I think Bruce Wayne is Batman." <laughs> and the whole theater started laughing. It's really, it's kind of sad, but it's it's kind of funny. A really loud whisper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, this is the first time they they make mention of his family being dead, and they they don't really hold back because there's that first scene. In the elevator, where the, the the guy from Gotham University is like, if your parents were alive, they would think you are a total disgrace. Yeah. Your father is probably rolling in his grave or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, P- yeah. Professor Nasty there. Yeah. The worst guy to ride in an elevator with. <laughs> He's got a doctor and his asshole. But I got nothing. This joke derailed. I should have stopped. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's... And, uh, and I mean, that's... I'm curious... I don't remember them ever touching on that in previous things outside the movies. Right. Uh, so to do that in a kids' cartoon, and from what we, from what I understand, it yeah. sounds like they they get into it later a bit. And some, oh yeah, Some yeah. weird stuff yeah. later. You know, that's what makes this cartoon hard to judge because it's sort of yeah. like when we did this, when we do Star Trek Next Generation podcast. Do you really want to focus in on the sci-fi, um, the problems on the little stupid science? Like how the uh, replicator works, or do you want to mm. just get down to the plot? Like, what are you willing to excuse? And with this, I'm really torn between. Well, it's a cartoon, it's a kids show, whatever. Mm. And then I'm also thinking, but this could be the most perfect episode ever if yeah. they did X, Y, Z. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I yeah, guess I think it's, it's I think it's fair to 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 judge it that way. Right. Because I mean, you know, I I think this episode and the episode after this, I think, are a good example of them trying to find their footing. Right. You know, like they've got some good ideas here, but they're not fully formed yet. Right. You know, the, these two episodes we watch here are actually good to watch back to back because they're fairly similar. Yeah. Um, 
and they're good examples of not really totally understanding how to or figuring out how to do a week to week show like right. do they do a formula or do they do something interesting they kind of try to do something interesting here but it's not entirely successful right um, they've introduced a new villain and once again although not a, it, worse than they did with man bat because this one actually has like a flashback sequence where the scarecrow explains himself right uh, but you know I mean for a kid as far as far as a kid show whatever right but st- they could have done that a little bit cleaner. Right. Um, yeah. If they really need to do it at all, because I mean, you don't right. need to do it with the Joker. They didn't need to really do it with Man Bat. Right. Um, it's funny. So t- t- I had a thought about flashbacks because mm-hmm. I, I was uh, I, I talked to my editor today about the, my script for issue two of my book, mm-hmm. and um, did I tell you I'm doing a Batman book? <laughs> I you draw. <laughs> Batman is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Steven Tyler sings. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, he wanted more showing instead of telling. And uh, all the notes he gave me are great. I'm going to have to re- go over the script again. But um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the solutions he had over and over was just do a flashback. Just do a flashback. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the... In one issue, in 22 pages, we now have three separate flashbacks. Eesh. And to me, my first reaction is that's too many. Because yeah. I write scripts from a movie standpoint. So three-act structure, less is more, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And um, I... To him, though, and I'm not saying I disagree, but he knows comics better than I do. That's why he's an editor. But um, he said, no, I don't care how many flashbacks we have. It's, it's only three. Like, flashbacks is just a thing that comics do all the time yeah. without questioning it. And I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I, I just had this phone call like three hours ago or whatever. Um, by the time this comes out, the issue will hopefully be done. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I find it interesting. That's something that I struggle with, too, because I feel like um, it's is a something you can lose control of very easily. Um, I think they probably were done their best in like the, uh, for as much problems as the, um, writing of comics in like the eighties in the early eighties has, if you look at it now, Mm -hmm. what they did really well is they knew how to condense stories into like one panel. So if you if you go back and you read like the Chris Claremont Mm X-Men, he's got so much continuity going on that he needs to remind you of a lot of stuff. And so he'll drop in one panel that'll right. have a great John Byrne illustration about mm-hmm. something that happened two issues ago. Right. And his thing will just break down and be like, and that was, at that point was when the Phoenix Force overtook my body or something like that. Right. And they can get it done really quickly. That's, which seems like, that that feels like a flashback where she's like, boom, real quick and you're yeah, in and out. Yeah, yeah. But if you get into like a multiple right. page thing, and I, I feel like you get you can get tied up with that stuff really easily. Me too. Easily. Yeah, yeah. And another, uh, I, I also don't like voiceovers. Yeah, I but think, I, I personally think that the first person voiceover in comics needs to take a break. I, yeah. In, in movies, it's such a no-no. I mean, there yeah. are exceptions like Forrest Gump or there are other exceptions. And when they break the rules, they break the rules with authority mm. if it works. But in comics, it's just, it, it just gets a free pass all yeah. the time. Like every book I've done, the, it just has a voiceover. And it's not even like a character writing a journal or they don't even justify it it's just these are the thoughts in this character's head yeah it's colored yellow i i have a theory about that and i apologize to all the writers out there who may be listening who enjoy writing voiceover (laughs) but my theory is that it makes the writers feel like they're doing something i agree because otherwise let's let's say you take the voiceover out of a comic right Right. all they're doing is describing panels sometimes not really describing panels that much because the artist is doing a lot of that heavy lifting comic sorry go ahead and so that voiceover is where they feel like they're doing their writing now it's my time to shine exactly and i don't think that's necessary at all i mean there are some cases like yeah you know frank miller does it in batman dark knight returns really well because there are cases where it does get you into the mind of the character right but uh, but it's such a overdone. Yeah. No one even questions it anymore. Yeah. And it's it's to me it's it's masturbatory. Yeah, I agree. It's the writers going, well, I need to have uh, my fingerprints on this, so I'll have like this inner monologue that totally is not necessary, and they just fall in love with their words. Comic book writers, and I'm saying this as someone who, and you wrote your own stuff too. Mm-hmm. We we are currently gunning for that kind of career. So I, as I speak as a writer, is uh, writers are. Um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Shit, what a hell of a lead up to it. <laughs> um, they, uh, they're not really writers in the sense that they're not writing full prose or not writing a full script. Mm-hmm. They're plotters and they're dialogue artists. 
Mm-hmm. But as far as um, the amount of times I've read a comic and felt that this is not just a comic book writer, this is a writer writer. Yeah. With a, a capital R. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's very few. Like when I read Garth Ennis's, um Preacher, like, oh, this is a writer writer right. who happened to get into the comics. But most comic writers, it's, they're just plotters who do, who do dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then it's the artist who does the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I mean, I can understand that it's it probably from their angle doesn't feel like they're... It could feel like they're not contributing if right. all they're doing is just laying yeah. out and, pa- pages. You know? And sometimes I think that they're overwhelmed by the ability of the art that they feel the need to... They feel insecure and out of insecurity. They go over the top in making up for that with all these captions and dialogue and all this, you know. Yeah, it, it really annoys me. And so I've gone out of my way. So I've, Punk Rock Jesus had no voiceovers unless it was a character describing a flashback, which right. was our other rule. And in Dark Knight, <laughs> or this book I'm doing now, um, I have no voiceovers at all. Mm-hmm. And I like it that way. And I just don't think it's necessary. But every everybody fucking does it like it's just candy. Yeah, it's just, it's an, it's a it's a shorthand that can be abused very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's lazy. You know, I, I don't know if a lot of comic writers have actually read scripting books about three act structures and uh, it seems a lot of them flopped out of Gauntlet the Throne by Sean Murphy on the <laughs> Badass Podcast <laughs> I know it's a good thing I already have a career or else I would have tanked <laughs> this but uh, I have a necessity to be honest even if it if it no I think people, I think people appreciate it so <laughs> I hope so <laughs> alright uh, what else is there for this uh, um, any more Steven Tyler references no I think in? that pretty much covers it Alfred is still a prick right uh and that pretty much covers it. I, I really like the um, the large scale destruction at the end. Like I think the as much as I don't like, like there's really no good wrap up to the story. No, you know, like it's. The, I don't even think he finds a a, a uh, antidote for that thing, does he? He just sort of like muscles through yeah, it. Yeah, and then yeah. once he gets the again, these next two episodes yeah. are very similar. I mean, he's pretty much living on the edge the whole time <laughs> until the end when he. Dreams on. Keep going, yeah. No, keep going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by Aerosmith. <laughs> um, yeah, I also really like the title cards of these first three seasons. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. Like, I would love to know how much an original piece of that. Oh, yeah. That would be fun to see if you could find for. those somewhere. That would yeah. be pretty cool. They're probably in some warehouse at Wonder Brothers, like Indiana Jones uh, 2 or 1 style. But, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. So if you... If you had to pick something that you wanted to draw or change, what, what would it be? Uh, I think, uh, depending how much leeway an editor would give me, I would like to, you know, really redo a lot of the Scarecrow stuff. Yeah. I'd redo the costume, and I'd try to redo some of the backstory if I could. Yeah, I, I agree. Same thing for me. I, yeah. I mean, that costume is just so yeah gross. Like, like, literally, like a bag of wet leaves. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But, uh, rating? Oh, uh, ooh. What do you think? I'm going to give it a high two. Okay. Because I feel like it's it's taking, it's taking introducing a new character that you've never seen before, but it's doesn't really know where it's going. Right. And it's very kind yeah. of, it's not taking many chances. Right. And it's kind of formulaic. Yeah. If this is a, so three is the average episode, I'd say this is slightly below average. I would not rewatch this if I, unless I had to for a podcast. I'd go two as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that, that, uh... That wraps up Nothing to Fear. I'm going to play a quick clip, and then we'll be back with The Last Laugh. All right, well, this next one is The Last Laugh, directed by Kevin Altieri and written by Carl Swenson, in which the Joker covers Gotham City in a cloud of laughing gas and begins plundering the crazed city. But after Alfred is infected with the toxin, Batman has added incentive to stop the Joker and acquire an antidote from him before all of Gotham dies with a smile. Luckily, Alfred caught it. Otherwise, Batman would have just given up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say right now that that Wikipedia description of the episode (laughs) I read is better than the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God, where to begin? Alfred has a new voice. Yeah, that's probably the best thing about this episode. But is also still a prick. Right. Because it's April Fool's Day. Right. And he loves puns. Can I draw you a ball? <laughs> yeah. Which is great because it, it's it uh, it mirrors at the end with that quote unquote joke that Bruce Wayne makes, which like mm-hmm. Bruce doesn't really understand jokes. No. No. Not his wheelhouse. <laughs> which is which is pretty fun. Now, uh, I noticed that when we were watching it, um, 
because we were actually watching these together and even these first sets of uh, podcasts were actually sitting in my studio recording. Uh, most of it will be on Skype after this, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But you were laughing a lot at the little giggles of uh, the I, Joker's little puns. I, I'm a sucker for wordplay. But out of what percentage of them were actually funny? I, funny enough <laughs> for me to chuckle at them, I, I'll, give, I'll give most of them a pass. Most of them? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I, I'd say, let's say 70% of them. I'm going 30% at, at best. <laughs> I that's because that's because you that's because you forget what it's like to be a kid, Sean. You're too serious. <laughs> oh, One might ask, why so serious? I don't know. I guess uh, God, I, I don't even have. I'm so serious. I don't even have a funny joke to respond to that with. <laughs> I'll just break into Steven Tyler again until you forget. Oh boy. Uh, so so this one <laughs> this one feels like more of a straight up classic kind of Joker episode. Mm-hmm. It involves the Joker toxin. Uh, you, we get to see the Joker's classic purple suit for the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's got his henchmen with the clown masks on. But, again, it's like, I think, like you were saying with the last episode, it's tough talking about these because you do have that um, urge to want to be like, oh, why didn't they push the boundary? Or yeah. why didn't they really try to lean into it? Right. And this episode is like structurally almost identical to the one to the other one to nothing to fear yeah it's also about a gas that's infecting people that batman has to get rid of it it seems like a a safe not transformative episode that is very 60s and very pulpy and it's for kids yeah and uh i don't know why that bugs me when they like so the joker all right so he's got this toxin fine so he's got a toxin like i'll buy that mm-hmm. i don't care how he got it i'll just accept it he's a, he also he's a has master chemist a submarine underneath a uh barge he's got a <laughs> robot clown which knows kung fu and um he has some other stuff too it's well just, that that, where does that he get goes his funding from where does he get those wonderful toys one might ask um <laughs> don't you keep me you asshole <laughs> Well, I think that 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 brings up something that we kind of talked about in the last Joker episode, which is, is there, do these shows get a pass Mm -hmm. for their ridiculousness because they're cartoons? Like, let's, if, if, if a, if a comic story were to start with the Joker Mm -hmm. and he has all that crap right away, do you still question that? Do you question it more? Do you question it less? Um, I don't know. Depends how it's framed. Yeah. If, would you buy that uh, Joker escaped on a rocket Christmas tree? <laughs> you might need a little explanation. True. We all Fair we all have that line somewhere. Yeah. Like, what are we willing to go with? And I think mine's maybe more severe than most. But uh, I think for this one, I don't find his gas and his henchmen and the boat that far fetched. I think the last one, the Christmas episode, right. where he literally turns Gotham Observatory into a giant cannon, and is a little the, bit more far fetched. Robot. Uh, Nutcrackers? Yeah. Those, uh, even those I'm willing to buy to an extent. Right. Because they're in a toy factory. Eh, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm willing to give most of these characters... I don't know if it's because I'm... A sap? Too, too childlike <laughs> and immature? No, I don't know if it's because I'm so fami- uh, familiar with the way that they were treated in the 60s shows. But they have this sort of... At least the Joker, anyway, has a built-in goofiness to him that right. I'm willing to give a pass to an extent. Yeah. You know, like, so let's put it this way. I, I think it depends on the way you treat the, the character. Right. This Joker doesn't really bother me that he has all that stuff. Right. If the Heath Ledger Joker had this stuff, okay, yeah. I would be like, eh, I don't buy that. Yeah. Again, that's how it's framed. It's right. framed in right. the concept. It's a pulp cartoon. It's episode four. But it is, within four episodes, two Joker episodes, two strikes in my book. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I was looking on IMDb, and this this actually has a really high rating, this episode. And the two reviews that were on there both uh, commented on it being great Joker episodes and just great episodes of the cartoon. And oh, I I, I, can't, you, I couldn't disagree more. The secret about comic book people is they're all idiots. <laughs> all right. I make my money off of these people. <laughs> we'll cut this out, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 Sean. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Or people that take the time to comment on Wikipedia or IMDb, maybe. <laughs> um, if anyone is still listening. <laughs> uh, I felt... Um, oh, so the, I want to talk about the Joker's uh, design. Mm-hmm. So in the episode, I asked you... Because Joker has got classic Joker features. Yellow eyes, yellow teeth, red lips, green yep. hair. But he also has 
I thought were just black rings under his eyes, mm -hmm. but when he raises his eyebrows, it looks like he's wearing a black mask. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's supposed to be paint or an actual mask or shadow. And uh, what did you say? I think I think it's supposed to be. Um, I think it's. I think my I, I kind of agree with what I think you you said where it's kind of like eyeliner gone astray yeah like they didn't they designed it one way but they didn't factor in all of the movements he'd have to make right with his eyebrows yeah, yeah. and they just yeah. kind of blacked it in so when we were looking at the episode uh, I googled um, Joker concept art you know mm -hmm. Bruce Tim whatever and the original stuff that he had that I could find and I didn't go too deep into this so someone correct me um, is that most of the art had him with his eyebrows down angry or evil smile mm -hmm. so you didn't get to see what was happening above his eyes between his eyes and his eyebrow but you could see dark rings under his eyes which yep. is effective but the minute you have an upshot of joker or he raises his eyebrows then i feel like they sent it off to the animation teams in other countries and they didn't really know what to do and i think it was a shadow gone astray or i'd, I'd be curious to see if bruce tim did any concept art that showed the joker being excited and lifting his eyes up because Sometimes in episodes, I think that it works, but if you if if they don't have a handle on the um, ratio of the features, like the, how big is the smile, how big are the eyes, the nose, they can look bad. And I think this episode, even though it was technically on model, it was not unified, and I don't think it looked very good. I think you run into that stuff a lot. Again, on The Simpsons, I know that they had problems with that stuff. Where yeah, uh, you know, if you've got if you've got people who are not super familiar with the models doing your animation and your your non-key frames right things can get a little wobbly and weird and yeah. it would not surprise me at all if that was the yeah, case yeah now there was a funny episode uh, speaking of shipping everything over to, to asia to have it animated i think it was this production for this cartoon is um they had a character i think eating a slice of pizza once with mm -hmm. this cartoon and they sent it off to asia korea china japan i don't know where um you're saying they, they're all the same no to you? i'm not Is that what you're saying <laughs> Saying they're all amazing animators, <laughs> um, except they don't have pizza over there. So when they got oh. the animation back, the characters were eating the triangle of pizza crust first, Ooh. and it's one of those things, those cultural divides you just don't think of. So they had to write a note like, no, 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 you got a pepperoni goes in the mouth of the cheese, and I think they fixed it after that. <laughs> but uh, it was one of those like peculiar, funny things. That yeah, go that's interesting. That's well, some stuff you don't really think about. <laughs> I, I've, I think I, I, I can't remember if it was The Simpsons or some or another one I was watching where they were talking about that, where they had some cells that would come back that had were supposed to have writing in the background, mm -hmm. but none of them knew English writing at all. So it was just like complete. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it didn't make it, just symbols and stuff. Right. Um, but, hmm. yeah, that the Joker's design is good. Uh, we were talking before about, I think we both kind of instinctively, instinctively said we like this design better than the redesign. Right. But then looking at the redesign, I think they do improve some stuff there. Yeah. I So my only thing with the redesign from season four, we'll call it, is uh, if they had some red on there somewhere, I think it would yeah. fit. I love the black eyes, like the black irises with the white pupils, or whatever I'm trying to say. Yep. Um, but it's a little blank. It's a little simple. And if they just had a streak of red on the lips, I think they'd be good to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it's a super nitpick because obviously they're firing on most of their cylinders. Mm -hmm. Now, staying on the Joker here, I think what's, what's interesting to me about this episode is... Uh, well, first I want to ask you a question. Yep. Do you think this is a would have been a better or worse introduction to the Joker than the Christmas with the Joker episode? Oh, man. Good question. <clears throat> I don't know. Can you answer that first? I think it would have been worse. I think they made the right... Well, it's tough because we're watching these out of airing order. But assuming yeah. that they showed Christmas with the Joker first, which they may not have, I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. But if we're just going by this, I think Christmas with the Joker... As much as I didn't super care for it, I think it's better as an introduction because mm -hmm. I don't think they know what to do with the Joker yet. Right. I don't think they define the Joker's character until Harley comes along. Right. That's a good observation. Because the Joker is sort of like a very uh, wide swath kind of character. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you look at all the different ways he's portrayed. You, you still... you. You don't get a lot of backstory to him. Not that you need it. You don't need it, right? Right, right. But you still... There's only like 
there's a, there's a, a very short book worth of stuff that he tends to do. Right. And until you really break outside of that and start to explore, trying to define his character without telling a backstory right. is difficult. Right. So they clearly, I don't think, have figured out how to do that yet. Right. And I think it takes the addition of Harley Quinn to have someone who to bounce off of yeah. and actually have a relationship with yeah. that allows them to kind of dial him in more. It's Yeah, honestly, I mean, once Harley Quinn was off and running, it's hard to imagine Joker ever existing without her. Yeah. And that, that's the brilliance of, uh, of Harley Quinn. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I think So I think that the reason the Christmas episode, for me, does better is because the, the Christmas veneer is enough of a distraction... It gives Joker like a Christmas playground yep. where you don't notice that they haven't really committed to much. I mean, he's wearing a Christmas sweater the whole time. He's yep. not even in a purple suit. He has henchmen, but they're not really that important. They're just firing guns. Mm-hmm. Most of it was the Tchaikovsky soundtrack with these big toys in this factory. Like, and they just let Mark Hamill go crazy. Yeah, exactly. You know, he covers he covers a lot of it. Right. And I actually, I mean, even though that Joker was just typical, crazy, classic Joker, I felt that the dialogue... In that episode was better than the dialogue in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like some of it to me was a little cringeworthy. Yeah, I mean, when your best dialogue is borderline good puns, right? Uh, you know, you probably should take another swing. At it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, but I also I do like the I do like the fact that he tends to break the fourth wall. So when he says a pun, he tends to look at the camera. Yeah, <laughs> I do, do appreciate good. that. Yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, I he's interesting because you would think. He's one of those characters where at, at first you think like, oh, well, he should be really easy to define. We should know what to do with him right away. But right. then when you actually have to sit down and use him, it's like, well, yeah, there's, it's like, it's like when you have too much, yeah. it's like when you have everything at your disposal, mm-hmm. it becomes overwhelming. And you don't know what to zero in on, right. you know? And uh, I think that's clearly the case here is this episode is... They've got some of the Joker stuff, like the gas, like I said, and the, and the henchmen. And I think that stuff is fine. And I was on the fence about whether or not this would be a better introduction because I think the stuff in this episode is more Joker-like. Mm-hmm. You know, you get those Joker tropes, right? But it's yeah, a bad, they're bad tropes, though. Yeah, and they just and even the Joker gas again. Batman doesn't solve the gas problem. No, he just catches the Joker, which then in and of itself solves right. the gas problem somehow. So this to me is like a dry run for a later episode that I think is called The Laughing Fish or something. Oh yeah. Or uh, he basically poisons the city through fish mm-hmm. and the seafood. And uh, the stakes you would imagine would be the same. How do you stop the population from going out of their minds or whatever? Right. And the fish is a better delivery vehicle than just hoping that the wind takes the gas yeah, through the city yeah. and it creeps through the windows. I mean, it's just insane. Well, the, the, that one, sense. The Laughing Fish is actually based on a, a fairly famous uh, Batman story from the 70s. But of course you wouldn't know because you don't read comics. I hate comics. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, the, uh, it's a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams story from the 70s. Oh. And yeah, it's, it makes a lot more sense. It's, Who, Neil Adams? Who's, who's that? <laughs> he's the guy that has the... Uh, uh, the half acre of tables at every convention. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That you have to go through a hedge maze to get to him. <laughs> 20 bucks a signature, right? <laughs> at least. He's like the Lou Ferrigno of comics. <laughs> Other than Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> no, I, I know him. I know, I know him well. And hopefully he'll hear this and laugh and know that I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what the hell? Is, oh, yeah. La- Laughing Fish. Yeah, Laughing Fish is, is a better delivery. And yeah. I, I don't remember the episode and how it plays out, but it has to be better than this. It is. Uh, the animation's better. Uh Everything about it, I feel. The minute I saw the uh, robotic clown in this, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's this episode. <laughs> you know, the one thing that I do like about this and the last one, and so far generally, is I find that the the danger and the peril that they put Batman is in is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like in this one, um, they put him, uh, the Joker stuffs him into a trash can that they bolt down. Oh, yeah. And they stab some holes into it and throw it into the water. That's pretty good, yeah. And he has to figure out how to get out before he dies. That stuff is legitimately tense. Right. And I forget exactly what they do in the last one. But it's another thing where they they mm-hmm. put Batman in a pretty good yeah. corner. Good point. That he has to kind of get out yeah. of. And this one, the way he gets out is a little suspect. The, the, he, la- the boat underwater he, that he has calls, a laser. He calls the bat boat to shoot lasers at the trash can. I like that it had it took first one try. Where it <laughs> missed. <he> misses. <laughs> that wouldn't make me very confident in my technology. Yeah. How did he know he missed? Because he's not saved and he's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think that's one thing that they... Uh, it's a good... 
I don't know if this is intentional, but it it reminds me of of the pieces of like the old serials that they would do in the forties that right. have that cliffhanger moment where yeah. they put the the character in a legit perilous right, situation. Right. Usually back then that was at the end and right. then the beginning of the next episode would be like, wow, it's a good thing I jumped out of the car before it, before it went over the cliff. Right, right. Um, do you think, I mean, do, you, do you think lasers would work underwater? <laughs> Not to get all Star Trek on you for a second. Uh, do I think lasers would work underwater? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it depends on the kind of laser. <laughs> Um, that depends. I mean, is laser is a laser explicitly like a heat thing because it's just light, right? So I mean, it as is, long it as is it explicitly passes, a heat thing, yeah. Okay, then maybe not. I don't so know. no, no, it would just boil all the water in front of it. Man, just, you're just alienating everybody. Right I mean, now. I feel like I could have used a little saw arm; would have been more convincing. Yeah, and more I think, delicate than yeah, just blasting the, the, the shit. The laser out. is not the best choice, I don't think, for the situation. <laughs> but easiest to animate. That's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm giving that. Um, and I, I do really appreciate how he's. Very clearly shoved into this <laughs> tiny trash can, but the laser on the bat boat cuts this gigantic piece off, and you can't even see him inside of it. And then he yeah. just pops out. There's like a, 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 a anime slice, yes, know, like a clean slice, yep. and a minute later the two objects separate. You know, um, oh man, what else do we have for this? Um, um, better Alfred voice episode for kids. Oh, so Summer Gleason, yeah, is a character I meant to talk about uh, at the beginning of this this hour. She has been in three out of four of these episodes so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, she she's the news reporter. She's uh, she's kind of like the Vicky Vale stand-in. She, perhaps, I never thought of it that way, but yeah. you're right. She's a red-headed Vicky Vale. Um, and uh, I know later on she gets worked into the plot more and more, and I, I really like her. Uh, and uh, it's amazing. I didn't realize how much they managed to fit her in each time. Um, and it, I guess it makes sense. If you can't cover Gotham, because it takes a long time to do that, mm-hmm. you cover the news agency because yeah. they sum up gotham yeah and i i dark you know frank miller used it on dark knight oh yeah i'm yep. using it now so yeah i get it yeah i really i like in the first in the christmas episode right i was surprised that she was there and it makes me feel like the whatever order we're watching them in is not the right order because mm-hmm. when they say summer gleason she hasn't really done she's the first time you see her i think is when she's tied up i i don't don't quote me on that but in the last yeah in so the christmas Joker. Part, yeah, yeah. But and at that point, you don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, we might be watching these out of order. Yeah, whatever. Hmm. It's a it's a it's it's a show that doesn't rely on on serialization, no. so it's not a big deal. But in that in that case, right. I feel like that position right should be held by someone that you're familiar with. Right. So assuming we yeah, are yeah. watching them in the right order, right, that might have been the wrong choice. Well, but, we, we were telling yeah, I think we're, we we covered our butts on this. Yeah, there was an episode later on where. Bruce is fighting a ninja, and the ninja's trying to get Bruce to fight, because the ninja knows that Bruce can fight. Mm-hmm. problem is Summer Gleason's tied up next to Bruce, Ooh, so he yeah. has to take a beating from this ninja. My favorite trope of the Adam West show. What's that? Is when he would be tied up and have to pretend that he's not Batman. You know, that actually is always a cool scene. Yeah, I always when, like that. When you suddenly, when the cups come off in some way, either the um, <clears throat> they, they cut off the, the viewers from seeing what Bruce is actually doing, yep. or... And the minute he comes to life and he's like, oh yeah, you're actually Batman. And the minute his like, face changes, yep. his back straightens out and he starts kicking a lot of ass. Well, I love the way they do it in The, in the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan movie. The yeah. scene where uh, he hits hits the car with the Lamborghini. Right. Because he knows that the guy's going to try and kill yeah. Gordon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets out and he's like, oh, what are you talking about? I don't know what's right. going on. Yeah, that's, I love that stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I love when uh, when he like disables a gun with one movement, and he yeah. he has wine, but he's not drinking, so he just chucks it over the side of a building. Yeah, yeah, all that all that stuff. Speaking of Bruce, uh, I actually did want to talk about this one and the last one. They very clearly have already dialed him back, um, or I should say, you mean how goofy he is? Yeah, I I, I should Clark, say Clark Kent style Bruce. Yeah, they make Bruce Wayne with Alfred mm-hmm. still kind of like Batman. But they don't go as goofy as they did in the first the first two. Right. Um, I don't know if that's. I want. I want to think that that's a artistic choice, and that the goofiness is something he puts on. He'll, it'll come back. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I mean, either either way, I I really like the way that they are differentiating so clearly right. between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Right. And when you've got Bruce Wayne talking to Alfred, there's mm-hmm. kind of a middle ground where he kind of sounds like Batman still, and he kind of right. sounds like Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm thinking of um, Bruce, uh, Dick Grayson's 
right before his Dick's parents die, he spills his popcorn when everyone starts chatting or clapping for him. And then there's one where he's like, whoops, and he pushes an exploding birthday cake into a pool. <laughs> he's he acts up, he acts super goofy, and uh, it is funny. That's just not my Bruce Wayne. Yeah, personally. Yeah. What uh? So what I think you, what would you redraw? In this what episode? would I redraw in this episode? Uh, I would redraw the Joker's face because it's so. <laughs> no, um, if I had to pick a scene to draw, I would pick not redraw specifically, just like to to depict. Yeah, it would be the scene where um, Gotham City is all fucked up from the the Joker toxin, and oh, yeah. they're going like shopping. Mm-hmm. I thought that was legitimately creepy. Like they yeah. had lots of these close-ups of yeah. like these crying faces right. and like the giant smiles and the really like ghastly grins so clay did a book for a while called dead meat mm-hmm. uh, which you can first. find at eatdeadmeat.com that's uh when i uh opened up i had an apprenticeship and clay was one of my students now we're we're, we're, we're buddies um but uh, he'd been working on that book for a while which is uh, a giant uh zombie book so mm-hmm. for you to say that that's the scene you gravitate towards makes a lot of sense to me yeah yeah. yeah, I think they did a good job with it. Um, and it's like, it's a cool, again, it's it's very similar to the last episode. Right. Uh, where there was that scene, I think, where everyone's freaking out, and but it was, yeah. it's done better. You know, yeah. they, they, whatever they did differently, they right. dialed it in a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's what I would do. What would you do? Right. Um, you know, drawing-wise, I always love drawing underwater stuff. Yeah. I, I, I actually, it sounds weird, I don't like superhero stuff, I don't like... Big fantasy, bombastic, whatever. I like. This is the guy drawing Batman, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> I know. I don't know how I ended up here, um, but to draw people underwater, they might as well be flying. Yeah. So you get to draw those crazy, cool poses in the force perspective. I, you just draw a little bit of bubbles around them, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I did a book called The Wake a while back with uh, the Batman writer Scott Snyder, and uh, I got to do a lot of underwater stuff, but I I still don't feel satisfied. So doing the scene where Bruce is in the barrel. Uh, shooting himself with a laser in the bad mode. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'd switch it to a drill or whatever, but I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for underwater scuba stuff. Are you working underwater Batman into your Batman book? No, but I was actually going to have Batman drive the Batmobile through a deep lake, and it actually drives underwater just fine. Ooh, it's, it's not a submarine. Like the Lotus from James Bond? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if, I, if I can fit it in. Uh, rating? <sighs> Do you think this episode was better or worse than Fear? Uh, that's really tough because I feel like they're pretty much the same episode. Um, I'm gonna say uh, worse. I think so too. I th- and that's that's a really tough worse for me because honestly, the only reason I'm saying that is because. I feel like uh, Nothing to Fear had some the interesting fear talks and stuff, and mm-hmm. they're introducing a new villain. Right. This one is kind of, it's, yeah. and there's no direction to it, really. Right. And Batman doesn't even solve the problem. He just catches the Joker. Right. Uh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm headed where you're headed, I think. Uh, I, so I, I feel like there's only ten episodes that are going to be fives. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably ten that are going to be ones, and this might be one for me. Yeah, I would... I don't know if I'd go one. I think I'd probably... Where I gave Nothing to Fear a strong two, I'd give this one a, a, a regular two. Yep. <laughs> I'll go a strong one. <laughs> you know, having our committing to five stars or whatever, mm-hmm. if you start half half halfwaying and hedging the fence... I know, it's, it's bullshit. Uh, oh, one more thing. Yeah. At the very end when... Uh, Joker is dangling over um, molten lava. I think for the second time in the second episode. I think yeah. twice we've had molten lava. That's the hits. same. That's the same way the last one ends. And he's like, he's hanging upside down over me. molten lava. Yeah. And Batman just is kind of grinning and folding his arms like maybe. Yeah. I won't. In in the first one he kind of just grins at him. In this right. one he does like he a high him. school photo. Yeah. Yeah. Fist a, on the chin it's pose. A it's really. Shot. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. And he's even got a stupid. Stupid grin on his face, and uh, Batman, and he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll save you." Because deep down, we're friends. No asshole. Like, let so it... here's something interesting. This is do- going way too deep on this stuff. Uh-huh. In the last episode, there's that scene where Batman and probably Anthony are right. falling out of the blimp, and Batman shoots his thing up and saves himself. And lets Anthony fall to his death, but he conveniently lands on an awning, which still would have probably killed him. But yep. anyway, yep. 
But in this episode, he goes out of his way to save the Joker. Right. When he doesn't, he could have very easily been like, uh, well, my hands were busy doing something else. Right, right. Well, what has Anthony really done, though? That's, well, which <laughs> we is more reason to save him. We though. don't know. He's, it seems like he's an innocent guy. Just, it is. It he's is trying funny, to pay his uh, bills. So the, uh, the code of, uh... The conduct, code of conduct that the cartoon is following, obviously it has to be kid-friendly, so they try not to show blood or anything too violent or right. sexual. And, uh, and if uh, somebody falls out of a flying something, it has they have to hit the water, yep. or you have to show them hitting a tree or a rooftop pool. And in this episode, someone fell, and I'm like, rooftop pool, rooftop pool, and it was, it was a fucking tree. Yep. <laughs> no, honestly, if you watch the show and every time someone falls out of something and lands in something soft, if yeah. you just in your head say that they were dead... Right. This show gets dark really quick. Yeah, honestly. I mean, you just imagine that they're just street pizza. Well, anyway, I think that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time with uh, Pretty Poison and the Underdwellers. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs>